That's it, all over the building. Let's worship the Lord. God, we love you. We worship you. Lord, we praise you, God. You're great. You're wonderful, Lord. You're mighty. You're true. God, you're great to be praised. Oh, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, we do love you. We worship you. We praise you, O oh God. We praise you, O oh God. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord is great, isn't he? Amen. And I want to welcome all of our guests to Calvary Gospel Church. Brother Manley has already welcomed you, but I want to greet you. We do uh, uh, greet you in Jesus' name, and we're glad that you have come to the house of God to be with us. We want to take just a moment of our time. We're getting uh, one, one mic broke up here, and we're trying to get this fixed, so just turn around and shake hands with the guest, and uh, we'll read the word of the Lord. All right. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, you're so very good. Yes. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, take your Bibles, if you would, and let's turn to Isaiah 40. And we want to read verse 29, 30, and 31. I feel so awkward sitting here behind this table while you're standing, but uh, hopefully this won't be for, for, for very long. Planning on having surgery this next Tuesday, so just remember to pray for me. It's University Hospital Tuesday morning sometime, and hopefully within a week I'll be be able to dance with some of you and run laps around the church with some of you. <laughs> Praise God. Now, our guest, you've been greeted so many times tonight, you probably, you've never been greeted so much. And then you look up here and you see the pastor at a table, not at a pulpit, and this may seem odd to you. Well, it seems odd to all of us, including myself. So, uh, we had some brethren that brought this out just to help me out a little bit. And uh, times I forget that I'm seated when I'm preaching, but other times I'm well aware of it. So uh, if for some reason this doesn't turn out real good tonight, you come back when I'm standing up, and I'll assure you it'll be better. All right. <clears throat> okay, Isaiah 40, verse 29. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Sounds like the choir song, doesn't it? Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I want to preach on the subject, renewed strength. Renewed strength. God bless you. you may be seated. And it's good to see Brother Ernest Allen here. We've been praying every service for Brother Ernest. 
We trust and pray that God will grant to him renewed strength. This business about fainting, uh, how many people here in this congregation, how many of you have fainted sometime in your life? Let me see. I have to raise my hand because I have. Well, I, uh, it, it just, uh, it, it's very embarrassing for a grown man to faint, you know. Our son John went to the dentist, and and we noticed on the bill it said something about oxygen and all this, and he was just having his teeth cleaned. And so we began to question him, and he said, Well, I hate to say it, but I fainted. <clears throat> he gave him oxygen. One time they were taking a blood sample from a man that I knew quite well. And... <clears throat> this man reported that all of a sudden he he kind of felt lightheaded and and a little bit indifferent and all of a sudden he didn't feel that way anymore. In fact, he didn't feel anyway. <clears throat> Can you believe I actually fainted one time when I was drawing blood? I did that. Then I remember when I was in Bible school in Houston, Texas. And I was going to school full-time and working full-time. And I was working, I, th I think I was working uh, too many hours for the schedule I had. But I just, I got my system all ran down or run down. And would you believe one night I was working on a job and I felt real kind of sketchy, you know. And I felt sketchy before, but not like this. And all of a sudden, I realized that I was falling and I couldn't do anything about it. And I literally passed out. I woke up and I was in the infirmary there and they had oxygen on me. And I was asking them what happened and they were asking me what happened. <clears throat> now I said all of that to say this, that in a spiritual sense that this happens to people also. People just faint and fade by the wayside. In conjunction with this passage of Scripture, I'd like to read uh, Galatians 6, verse 9. And how many of you could quote that without going there? How many of you just know that without even looking to see what it is? All right, nobody can. Well, I, I could. But, I, of course, I cheated a little bit. <clears throat> I, I memorized it ahead of time. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. If we faint not. Now I am seeing more and more and more the importance of delivering messages, spiritual messages, to people as opposed to preaching sermons. I think just to minister to the needs of people. And I trust and pray that this message tonight will minister to your need. Um, this is in the very same vein of thought that I've been on now for a little while. And I, I thought tonight I'd just like to totally break this and go a different direction. But I felt in prayer that I should address this, you know, approach it at, at a different angle. 
than what I have before. Because I do know some people that are struggling spiritually. Uh, Several people lately have told me that it has been a long time since they have prayed through or they have spoken in tongues. And this may be your case and it may be alarming to you. I trust and pray that something will be said in this message tonight that will encourage you to seek after God, to enter into His presence in a greater dimension than what you have ever been in the past. Because I know that God will, God not only can, but God will honor that request by giving you the desires of your heart. Now, I've observed this about uh, people. And when people come to the Lord, you can watch how they worship. And people who manifest a real desire on a consistent basis to worship and pray, that if they stay with it, they just grow uh, with such great strides. They, They grow much, much, much faster than people who who just kind of back off. Uh, <clears throat> some children are born with great appetites. My mother said that I had a big appetite. And I weighed 10 pounds even when I was born, and I have weighed 200 and none of your business pounds for a long time. <laughs> I have been counting fat grams lately, percentage. And uh, would you believe since November I've lost 23 pounds? feel real good about that. Sister Grant says, now, Brother Grant, don't don't get up and tell everybody. Well, everybody's not here, so. She said, just let them notice it and come up and compliment you. Well, Many of you have, but some of you haven't. I'm very disappointed, you know. I've set a goal for for losing 60 pounds. Can you believe that? I'm going to look as skinny as Glenn Uselman. People are going to be calling me skinny many, inviting me out to eat. By the way, a couple of meals per week, I don't pay any attention to fat grams, so I, I'm available after service tonight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, this business of appetite, isn't it? You, you'll notice that some children are just born with appetites. I mean, they just they'll eat all the time if you allow them, and they, they seem to grow faster. You notice there seems to be quite a connection. My mind goes to to a young lady who came into our our church several years ago, actually about three years ago, maybe four years ago now, Elizabeth Kenny. Most of you remember Elizabeth. Elizabeth moved out to to uh, Washington, D.C. area. She's in Brother uh, Brother Kelly's church, Brother James Kelly's church. So uh, when she arrived there, and worship for a while. Brother Kelly called me up and just 
man, this lady is just such a great lady. And we talked for a while, and I said, well, you know, she's, she's new in the Lord. He said, what? I said, oh, yeah. She hasn't been in church very long at all, less than a year. Oh, I said, Brother Grant, surely that's not the case. I said, no, that is, that is true. He said, how could someone grow in God the way, what is her background? So I told him. He said, she had no connection with Pentecost prior to, I said, no, not at all. But I remember, Elizabeth, when she came to the Lord, uh, how she worshipped. I mean, she would sit up close to the front and she would worship and worship and worship and worship. And she'd come to the altar and she'd pray and she'd pray. There was a desire there, a real desire there. And every week, this sister would do her very best to renew herself in the strength of the Holy Ghost by just really praying through. I talked with her at our church picnic, and I, I, I truthfully, when she came to church, and she, I thought that she had moved here from someplace and she was involved in one of our churches. That was not the case. And she said, well, I have set a goal, and that is that no week will pass without me renewing, I meant really renewing myself in God. And she is still being used of God. Last time I saw Brother Kelly, he told me, he said, Brother Grant, you cannot believe how Elizabeth has grown in God. But she just never missed a, just never missed a step. Now this week, I was quite fortunate to be able to spend some time on the telephone with an individual who had not spoken in tongues and probably six, seven years. And on the phone, as we began to pray and minister with this man, the Spirit of the Lord came down in such a great way. And I just encouraged him to give his heart afresh to God. And right over the phone, following my instructions, this man renewed himself in God and spoke with tongues the Spirit of God came upon him in such a great way. And you know what he said? He said, you know, Brother Grant, it's been a long time. You don't know how many times I just long for this to happen to me. I just long for this to happen to me. Well, he's called me two or three times a day since then. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord has just been moving upon him. I remember some of you when you came to God. Some of you did not get off to the best start. Some of you got off to a real good start. Now getting off to a good start is important, but more importantly is staying with what you commit to. I remember Sister Jeanette when she came to the Lord. Sister Jeanette was involved in a lot of a lot of different things, some Eastern religions, and then got involved in a Pentecostal, quote-unquote, Pentecostal. You know, Pentecostal is a very elastical word, isn't it? Just, you, 
elastical, I mean you stretch it out. I don't know if there is really such a thing in English, but I sounds sounds fair enough, doesn't it? I mean, it's just stretched way out. No offense, but if we have any Baptist folks here, Baptist is a very elastical word, too. It's, I mean, it covers everything from A to Z, and so does Pentecost. She was involved in this. And... There were a few times in which I manifest a lot of concern for Sister Jeanette because she seemed to be so off base with some of her ideas. <clears throat> but she continued to grow. And she grew and she grew and she grew. I remember Brother Seidel when he came to the Lord. I remember I taught Brother Seidel a home Bible study. Brother Seidel and I... Right away, we hit it off real good because we he, he likes to fish. You remember, Brother Seidel, when we used to go over to that pier over there on Monona Shore and catch crappie? And we'd talk about the Lord. You know, you can talk about Jesus while you're baiting hooks. Do you know that? <clears throat> so, Brother Seidel then made this big announcement to me. One time we were going out to the car. We were over at Perkins. We were going out to the car, and he said, You know, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Brother Grant. And he said, I'm going to quit everything I'm doing, and I'm just going to start out traveling throughout the country for Jesus. <clears throat> Remember that, Brother Seidel? <laughs> I mean, he, was, he was ready to just... I mean, just start traveling full time. Well, I knew that he needed a little brushing up on a few things before he left. And so <clears throat> rather than just really dress him down real good there about what his he was going to do, I, I, I told him, I said, well, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's just kind of put that on the back burner for now. And uh, let's get a real grip on God's word. And so he decided that was a good idea. And, and sure enough, you know, he uh, <clears throat> been a few times I've tried to run him off. Now I can't get rid of him. But <clears throat> no, Brother Seidel, I'm only teasing. The Seidels are great people, aren't they? Yes, they are. <clears throat> now this is what I've noticed in all these people. And this is true of many of you. I could go on and on and on. I could just give individual testimonies. But the thing that I've noticed of people who are very successful and content in their walk with God, there's one thing that's true of all of them, and that is they have a desire for God. I'm in a real desire for God. Brother Alan Oggs came by, and he was promoting his book, You've Got to Have the Want To. He was on Dr. Dobson's program, Focus on the Family. And uh, uh, he was advertised in this area. Of course, Brother Oggs is one of our United Pentecostal Church ministers. He came by here, and he talked about the book. Brother Oggs is such a unique person. I mean, he really is. But he talked about you've got to have the want to. Now, I understand the value of this book. And I understand the value of conveying 
the same message to all of you. But I will confess that I've been lost sometimes with words when people tell me that they just simply don't want to serve God or they don't know how to get the want to. This is a, it's a very disturbing thing. Now remember 1963, I think it was, I'd been in an all-night prayer meeting with my, my very close friend, my best friend David Fuller, in our local church. And it was, I think, on a Sunday morning. Uh, it was probably, it was a summer morning. It was near daylight. Daylight comes very, very early, as you know, on, on a hot summer morning. I think it was probably July or August. Brother Fuller and I arrived home. I arrived home about, uh, I'd say, close to 5 o'clock in the morning, maybe a little earlier, just getting daylight. When I went inside, I was amazed that at our dining room table, my sister, Sister Rutherford, Josie Rutherford, was sitting there uh, talking to uh, Sister Grant. When I walked in, I I greeted them and talked to them, and, and my sister was not living for God. Sister Rutherford was not living for God. And I made a statement about a sister, a sister in the church. And this sister was not the best. uh, Well, let me rephrase this. She was not a person who really cared too much about what you thought of her. Consequently, she ended up making a few enemies, especially outside the church, you know. And my sister happened to be one of them. Well, when I made this statement, my sister, I mean, she became just irate. I mean, she just, you know, just slammed her fist down. Now, Sister Rutherford can be very serious about things, as you know. And before she came to the Lord, and she's not here to defend herself. You know, they were in our church up until last year. Uh, but uh, she knew how to hold her own, I'll tell you. She didn't mince any words. She she just knows how to be, you know, she's not bashful at all. <clears throat> so she went, she said, I don't want you to use her name again in my presence. Well, you know, be, being of the same family and, She's my sister, and we fought all of our life. Uh, I just quickly picked up the challenge. I just told her, now look. I said, this happens to be my house, and in my house, I'll talk about what I want to talk about. So, I mean, she got mad. Well, she's mad to start with, but she got madder. So... I'd been in a prayer meeting that night, and I remember uh, she. there was a lot of things not going well in her life, and Brother Fuller and I began to pray, and I began to pray in the Spirit. Now, this may be unfamiliar language to some of you people. We pray, talk about praying in the Spirit. I mean, getting totally lost in God. Intercessory prayer, where you pray in another language like they did in the Bible. 
And I began to pray in tongues, another tongue. And I prayed and I sought the Lord and I prayed and I sought the Lord and I, and I was praying for her. It was like in my mind, I, I knew what I was saying, but it didn't come out that way. Now, I know that when we pray in the Spirit, our understanding is not fruitful. The Bible tells us that. So I'm not for sure what I was praying, except I was just giving it to the Lord. Totally giving it to the Lord. Paul talks about with moanings and groanings, which cannot be uttered. The Spirit maketh intercession, for we know not how to pray. There were times when I couldn't even say a word, but in my, my mind I was praying for her. I was totally lost in the Spirit. So when I, when I said what I did and she got so angry, I could see that, that this was going kind of out, getting out of hand. And I, I, I certainly didn't want to I'd turn her off, and I felt I'd made a mistake by challenging her. But like I say, you know, I, I, that's just kind of been our way all of our life because she was my... Big sister, you know, so older sister. Maybe I should say she's older than I am. So uh, so what I did was I I, uh, I just I just prayed right then. Just God, you know, inside. Now, I didn't double up my fist like I'm That's the way I felt inside. And, and I just called on God right at that moment. And, 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 you know, it's like the Lord just used me. You know what I said? When, when I was amazed at what I told her. I said, Josie, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost right now. And I, you know what she did? She just did practically what I just did. You know, she just, and she laughed. And she laughed. She said, but I don't want the Holy Ghost. Well, I had uh, I picked up a tape that Brother J.T. Pugh had preached in, I think, 1957 at the Texas District Camp. And the, the tape was entitled, Your First Night in Hell. Now, that sounds bad, doesn't it? And if you listen to it, you know, he had kind of followed the movie or the book or something. He, he read a book about the movie. My first night in Paris. I don't know what the movie was all about, but I know what the message was all about. But at any rate, I'm telling you, when I listened to that, that really moved me. Now, this was back, you know, 1957 or somewhere along there. That's when preachers really talked about hell. You know? And so I said, I tell you what I want, I want to do. I want you to listen to a tape. And I'll guarantee you that if you listen to this tape, you'll want to be saved. She says, not so. I said, all right. So I went in and got the tape player. That's back, all I had was a big reel-to-reel, you know. I brought it in there, and of course, it's big. You've got to set it up on the table. And, and, and here I started playing this, and she started listening to it. First, you know, she's just very casual, and all of a sudden, and then she's down like this. And then she gets closer and closer and closer. And all of a sudden, I know she started crying. And then she just started sobbing. And I went over and laid hands on her, cut the tape off, and right at my living room table, we prayed her through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> but you see, something has to give you that desire. Something has to give you the want to. You know, everybody in this assembly tonight would be on fire if you just wanted to be. I can't give that to you. That's something that you have to discover for yourself. You have to find for yourself. And I, you know, I've thought so much about this with Sister Rutherford. You know, I, I tell you, I, I was teaching a Bible study to a lady, and she called the Bible study off, and Sister Grant and I were teaching this together, and this is what she told me. She said, I really don't care to continue because I don't have the desire to be a Christian. I didn't know what to tell her. A couple of weeks after the turning down or the, the, the closing of the Bible study, she was involved in a car accident in which she was killed. And I tell you what, I spent a lot of time if I'd have just had a little bit better answer, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I, you know, I was, I was searching and seeking and doing everything that I knew to do to, to give her the right clue. I just couldn't seem to to find it. That's, that's when I discovered something in the Bible. That. Uh, since has led me to do a lot of preaching and teaching on this subject. And while I have shared this with you in many messages that I've preached, I want to just cover a few things for the sake of some of you who are quite new in the Lord in 2 Corinthians 7. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. And this talks about repentance. You know, I've, I've often wondered why, when you preach the word of the Lord, why one person will slide into the altar like a runner sliding into second base, and the other one you almost have to pull down the altar. And one of them, you take a whole box of Kleenex and put by them, and they'll use all the box in one night, and the other one you, could, you couldn't pay them to cry. You ever notice that? And we like to think, well, that's just the difference in the makeup of people. However, I have seen grown men who have never cried in their life break down and just fall like a little baby, you know, just cry. Then I've seen other people who are quite tender and emotional about certain things that when it comes to the things of the Lord, they just almost set their face and set their jaw rather and and set their eye and and just kind of in defiance of the things of the Lord. You talk about Calvary, Jesus Christ shed his blood for you and such, and you couldn't get them to budge. Oh, they'd tell you, yes, I need God, and I know things are going bad and such, but... Well, here's a scripture that I ran across. I want to share it with you. Second Corinthians 7, verse 10, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation... Not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that you saw it after godly sort, 
what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. In all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Now, here's, here's what I'm finding when I read this. And, and, and this is especially true if you go back to the original Greek. Or if you study this out in some of the other translations. It appears that the Apostle Paul is talking about what real repentance will do for an individual. I'm talking about real repentance. And what happens is that when you fully repent, naturally there is remorse for sin. This is the godly sorrow. Tears will flow, but not all the time, because I think that you can really be sorry over something and not necessarily cry about it. But if you notice, he goes through this. He says, what clearing of yourselves? Do you know of anything that will clear you better than true repentance? I mean, it will take away condemnation. It will take away guilt. That are those parasites that seem to attach ourselves themselves to our hearts, especially when there's sin in there. They feed off of that sin. And so repentance clears you. Yea, what indignation. Indignation. That is a righteous anger. In other words, the person who really repents, he takes on a righteous anger against iniquity, against sin. Yea, what fear. In other words, there is a respect and a fear that comes to a person's heart of God himself. Did you know there's not much fear of God in the land anymore? Well, that's not, that's not a strange, strange thing. When people are set to do what they want to do and they, they become very idolatrous in their ways. And you know that America is a very idolatrous nation. Look at all the idols we have. Hollywood and the sports world is just so highly idolized by Young people today. You know everybody's following somebody. You're following something or somebody. Everybody here is following somebody or something. You need to ask yourself, what am I following? If your desire is for rock music and rock stars and such, who give you who who are responsible for giving you a very blasphemous anti-God message. You can't expect to have much fear of God. Israel reached that place when she went into idolatry and the Bible says the Lord sent a prophet into Israel to teach them how to fear God. This is the reason why that repentance, man, can it, it can turn you around. 
You can be hating something one moment and loving it the next. The very moment, the very morning maybe I should say, that I came to church that the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost, there were certain things about Pentecostals I despised. I thought everybody looked so square and so straight-faced and didn't have any fun. I really thought, you know, Sunday school is for old ladies and little kids. That's what I thought. The the man who prayed me through the baptism of the Holy Ghost was a man that I worked with for a while, and I I couldn't even stand to go over and talk to him. It wasn't his fault. He was kind to me, always kind to me. But would you believe that when he prayed me through the Holy Ghost, I'm here to tell you, I couldn't stop. I went over there, and I grabbed him, and I hugged him. I picked him up. (laughs) He's a little shorter than me. I picked him up, and I hugged him. I shook him around. God just gave me a love. God changed me. So what fear? What vehement desire? What vehement desire? Now, desire is such an important thing. I think that's what we're talking about when when, when we are reading Isaiah 40, 31, when it says, They that wait upon the Lord. Now, by waiting, we're not talking about just killing time. We're talking about people who have such a uh, a desire for God that they're willing to sit in the presence of God, not necessarily for some big prayer request that they have out there floating around waiting for it to be answered, but because they love God and they love to be in His presence. They just like to spend time with the Lord. I don't know if you've ever reached a place in in life, and it, it seems to happen to the people who pray the most. By the way, there is such a thing as prayer language. One lady came and said, how can we have a two-hour prayer meeting? What in the world can you pray about for two hours? I said, do you ever visit a friend for two hours? Yes. When you first visited, did you visit for two hours? No, probably not. Didn't know what to talk about. That's the same way it is with Jesus. After a while, you become acquainted. You know what to talk about and how to talk about it. And you develop prayer language. After a while, you're interested in the thing he's interested in. You know all the missionaries and all the churches around and all the saints in the church and all the new converts. You know, you know all this. And you care. Why? Because you care about the things that God cares about. You're interested in the things that, that Jesus is interested in. And you converse with him about those things. And usually the people that really like to be in the presence of God are the people who are continually going there. They that wait upon the Lord. Now, we know that hunger is such an important part of our life 
because, quite frankly, with, without the hunger, you know, we, we just don't receive of God what we really need to receive of the Lord. Now, listen to this. You've heard this, but listen to it. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, if you need a refilling, or if you need to be filled initially with the Spirit of the Lord, the, the, the primary ingredient, must be a hunger, a questing after, a thirsting after God. But how are you going to get that? You get that when you crucify yourself in repentance. See, repentance has fruit, just like the Holy Spirit has fruit. See, John the Baptist said, bring forth meat, fruit unto repentance. In other words, he told the Pharisees, if you want me to baptize you, I want to see the fruits of your repentance. Now, don't just intellectually make up your mind that you need to do this because you happen to find John the Baptist's name in Old Testament prophecy. It must be divine enlightenment. And I want to see if you really want to be saved. Now this would be good for all of our altar captains. By the way, I'm hoping that all of our altar captains are posing for a greater thrust than, than, than you've that we've had in 1995. We had more people saved in 1995 than the history of this church, but 1996 is going to be bigger and better because we're closer to the rapture, and Jesus Christ wants this church to reach out to the lost. <clears throat> hallelujah! Oh, hallelujah! But you see, I believe that the reaching out to the lost... Is, and your desire to see the lost saved is in direct proportion to your desire to see the flesh crucified on a daily basis. Read, read Isaiah, Isaiah 51. Now this is not in my, uh, Psalm 51, pardon me. This is not in my, my notes, but let's turn to Psalm 51. This is David's prayer concerning his great sin. Psalm 51, 7, Purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. In other words, he's talking about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that has the ability to come in and take away the sin of the heart. Make me to hear joy and gladness that my bones, which thou hast broken, may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out all mine iniquities, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, take not the Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy 
of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then, listen to this, will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto me. Do you know what? I believe this as much as I believe that my name is John Wesley Grant. I believe waiting in the presence of God will bring more sinners to conversion than any outreach program you have that's void of a move of the Spirit. I believe that some of you can get in the prayer room and bring more people out to church than others can knocking doors if they don't pray. I believe that when the church gets ripe and ready for the presence of God to move among them, that God Himself will arise and go out and knock upon the hearts of men and bring them to the house of God to find Bible salvation. I believe it with all my heart. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're not talking about some kind of a structured program. We're talking about lifestyle where people understand their need of God. Where in the presence of the Lord they're able or willing to sit or kneel or stand or whatever position they want to be in. Just waiting upon God. Waiting upon His presence. Wanting strength and power to come to them. Oh hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things shall be added unto thee. You know what's wrong with the church today? Listen to me. Too much seeking after materialism. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. That's what Jesus said. If you want a sure formula for confusion and discontentment, start seeking after things. But if you want to be a fulfilled Christian, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You seek that first. You simply ask God to supply your need for these other You're my Savior. You're my Redeemer. I am lost and undone without your Spirit. Without a bloodbath every day, Lord Jesus. My heart will not be merry. My lips will not sing. I need the power and I need the presence of the Holy Ghost coming down. Move upon me, Lord, and touch me. For I am flesh and I am weak and I am undone. I need the power. I need the presence. Oh God. Come to me Lord Jesus. Renew me. Touch me oh God. And strengthen me. Oh hallelujah. 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 Oh glory. 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 My Lord and my Savior, my Lord and my Savior. I need Thee, O Lord, I need Thee. Every day and every hour, Lord Jesus, I need Thee. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, glory, 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 glory. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Praise God, praise God. I've not been a Christian all my life. In the early years of my life, I really didn't care much about the things of the Lord. I was fortunate enough, however, to have been forced into going to some meetings that I really didn't want to go to. I remember going to some of the old-time revival meetings, tent meetings, Rush Arbor meetings. Uh, I have heard some of the the early men of Pentecost preach, men who were born prior to the turn of this century, getting up in years, preach. They come to your church. You know, it's, it, it, they didn't have much of an education. Uh, they didn't put sermons together, but they sure knew how to minister the Spirit upon people. Uh, most of them were long-winded, much more so than I am. <laughs> But uh, they were very serious about things. What they'd do if they are going to hold revival in the church, they'd spend a good week. When I say a good week, I'm talking about seven nights. I mean, every night. They'd spend a good week with them. And they'd say, now, first, this church must pray through it. You know. Now, I always thought that was kind of strange because I thought the church should stay prayed through it. But obviously, when they came, they were able to discern what the church needed. Because after about a week of just intensified prayer and people seeking God, tearing for the Holy Ghost around the altar, that is in your own personal life, after that there seemed to be a real breakthrough, and then all of a sudden a lot of outsiders came. And by the end of about the fourth week, you know, you'd have you'd had a good number of people pray through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I guess I'm seeing more and more the value of what they were doing. Uh, Matthew 25, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins, which took their lamps, went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Oil is a symbol of what? The Holy Ghost, yes. All right. The wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Now, do you have any idea what trimming the lamps all about? How many of you? You know what trimming lamps all about? A lot of you, a lot of you say that you know. Now, I remember in our community in East Texas. I remember when electricity first came to our part of the world. <laughs> and I'm not that I'm not that old, you know. <clears throat> we we fought modernization where I came from. Uh, but at any rate, we all had uh, kerosene lamps. The first church that I attended had kerosene lanterns for lights. No air conditioning. Nobody ever went out to, to the bathroom. We didn't have a bathroom. No, no child ever went to the nursery. We didn't have a nursery. Nobody ever made a telephone call. We didn't have a telephone. Nobody ever complained about the air conditioning. We didn't have air conditioning. Uh, 
a lot of bugs came in because the windows, we didn't even have, we didn't have windows, just holes in the wall. I don't know how in the world we stood the mosquitoes and everything, but that's the way it was. And so we had these kerosene lamps, lanterns, and hang them from the ceiling. You tie them on a string, you had a little, little apparatus pulley up there, and you just pull it up and then you tie it off so it's hanging way high. Sometimes during the, the service, one of them would go dim. So they let it down, and they'd trim it. And what they'd do, they actually took a pair of scissors, and the wick of this thing, because it was getting a little bit low on fuel at times, and it would continue to burn, it would just become like charcoal on the end. And it wouldn't burn. And if you, if you ran it way up high so it would burn, then it'd just smoke all over the place. Smoke the chimney, you know. The, and so... There was always someone there and that had a pair of scissors and a purse, and they'd take and they'd trim all that burnt off, that burnt-up part. Trim it all off. Make it brand new. And they'd relight it. Boy, would it ever shine. It made a lot of difference. Now, notice what happened here. The Bible says they all trimmed their lamps. You know what that word all means? It means they all did it. What does that mean, Brother Grant? That means every one of you. It doesn't make any difference how much of a spiritual giant you think you are. You need to trim your lamp. And trimming can be very painful to this human flesh. It's that moment when you don't worry about how bright the light's shining. It's that moment in which, quite frankly, it's almost like you just lay there in the presence of the Lord and you say, Lord, snuff it out momentarily. Just clip, just clip off everything that's dead and unwanted and, and not, not usable. And, and, and when I get out of this prayer room, it'll be relighted and I'll, I'll shine. But right now, trim it. You see, that's what renewing your strength is all about. It's becoming weak in the presence of God so that he can inject you with strength. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Be not weary in well-doing, Paul says, for in due season we shall... If we faint not, in due season, in due season, in due season, harvest time's coming for you. If you don't faint, see, see, harvest time is coming if you don't faint. You know, this thing started out with a great revival in Luke 24. I'm going to be closing now. In Luke 24, Jesus told the disciples that he was leaving, and he gave them a commission. And said unto them, verse 46, Thus it is written, And thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to raise from the dead the third day, 
and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. But you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from one high. I had the privilege of hearing a preacher tell a story about a saint in his church. <clears throat> he preached on soul winning. This sister was confined to a wheelchair. And so for her to get out and talk to somebody about the Lord is going to be very difficult. You know what she did? She started praying about this. And she developed such a hunger to share her experience with someone else that what she did, she simply took her fingers and reached over and dialed numbers at random on the telephone. Someone told her the right prefixes. And she dialed these numbers and started inviting people to church. Within a matter of a few months, over the phone, she had talked to several people about the Lord and several had come out of the church and received the Holy Ghost. Now, the reason why she dialed numbers at random is because she was not only an invalid, this lady was blind. She was a member of our church in Port Arthur, Texas. That's how come. That's what, what, what kind of a desire she had. I remember hearing about this, and I remember one day when I was on the phone talking to a man who'd called me up. It's like the Lord just told me this man was demon-possessed. And so when I began to talk with him, and I talked about demonology and demon possession this morning. I don't believe that everybody in the world is demon-possessed, and I don't go around just looking for demons. But I really felt this. I talked with this man, and he told me some of the things that had happened to him. And he said, you know, I just, I want to be so delivered. I really do. I have, I have cried, and I prayed, and I sought the Lord. And I got to thinking, here it is Monday, and we don't have church till Thursday. You know, I caught myself saying, well, come out to church on Thursday. Oh, but he has to wait, see. Church is very important, you know. But we can't do the whole work of Christ three nights a week or two nights a week one day. So this story about this blind lady came to me as I was talking. And I said, would you do something right now? I said, do you have a phone in your bedroom? He said, I happen to be in the bedroom. I said, can you talk on the phone from your bed? Yes. I said, I want you to go and kneel down to your bed, and I want you to put the phone up to your ear. And while he did this, I took dominion over that evil spirit and cast this evil spirit out of this man over the telephone. And as he began to weep and cry and ask for repentance, of God, 
I began to talk with him and instructed him over the phone. Uh, I'm talking about a man that didn't know anything about speaking in tongues. I'm talking about a man who was raised in a denominal pastor's home that knew nothing about what we are talking about tonight. And I talked to this young man about receiving the Holy Ghost and gave him instructions over the phone. And would you believe that God filled him with the Holy Ghost right over the phone? Praise God. Now this happened at a time in which I was having some health problems. I had pneumonia several times that one year. It's been several years ago. And I got to feeling so, you know, I can't, I just can't get out the way I need to get out. And everybody wants a healthy preacher. and They want preachers to tell great stories about what's happening and everything. Here I am, pneumonia. What can I do? And I found out, if you seek God and you get stored up with God's strength and stored up with God's power, you can even pray people through over the Holy Ghost, over the telephone. You can even cast out devils. Now, there's one thing I couldn't do. I couldn't baptize them over the phone. <clears throat> so I, he met me at the church and I baptized him. <laughs> How long has it been? Since you have really prayed in his presence. How long has it been since you've spoken with tongues? Now many of you, I was in the prayer room. I heard people, I heard tongue talking from one end of that prayer room to the other. But I do know that it is possible for some to slip in there and kneel and get up, come out and say, Brother Grant, I, I just wish, I just wish they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I'm hoping, Brother Blake, our next prayer meeting, what I want to do, I want to have a waiting service. I want to have a tarrying service. I'm talking about, I want this table. I, I'm going to be walking then. I'm going to be able to jump and run and everything else. But I want, to, I want to sit at this table. I want to sit right at this table. We're going to have the lights dim and everybody's going to get in here so we, we're going to wait on God. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's start right now. How about it? Sister Grant, come up here. We're going to start out just by saying, of course, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Now, you see, when, when you're entering into the presence of God, it doesn't make too much difference what you sing. As long as you can sing something that is meaningful, something that's simple enough that you can keep your mind on the Lord. How many of you will reach out to God right now? Would you do that? How many of you really want to be used for the Lord? How many of you want God to come down and refill you tonight? Come on. Let's just, in the presence of the Lord. Okay? Now, we're going to be baptizing Luke Humboldt here in just a few moments. In fact, Brother Thomas, any time that you would like, you and Luke can go and to the dressing room, and he can get dressed, and, and we will baptize him. But let's just wait on God right now. I need the oil. I need the Go. 
Just the ladies sing it. I need thee. Men, let's reach out to the Lord as the ladies sing it. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, God, I need you, Lord. I need you. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. All together, I need the old. 